Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. How about some binge boys for that ass? Juan, what do you think <laughs> of that new uh, that new opening line? Not not a fan. Not not a fan. It's this is not a show for your ass. This is a show okay. for your ears, your I, mind, I mean, maybe your heart. Figuratively, maybe your heart. when I say for that ass, I'm not talking about like we're we're putting the show actually in. Actually, no way! It's not you're not supposed to wiggle your butt to this show. This you is could. in no way. This is not a booty related show. This is I, no. It's just, I mean, it's just a figure of speech. Anyway, opposite end of the body. Off the rails already. Hi, I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me on the Zoom is Lon Harris. There you and go. I feel like more like be... an NPR approach is what we should do. Like, thank you. Next for... time, we'll, I'll workshop an NPR opening, uh, and we are binge boys, and we will talk streaming, Lon. What's happening in your part of the world? I, I'm just delighted to bring uh, bring you guys Binge Boys, uh, brought to you by viewers like you. Viewers? Listeners. List, well, but, but, streaming yeah. viewers who Public are listening. Public-supported Binge Boys. Oh, okay. I see you're, you're going with the NPR. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you, do you want them to donate and get a tote bag? We don't have... I don't... Don't make promises that we can't deliver on, How We do not have Binge Boys tote bags. Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one day we'll, there'll be tote bags... Koozies. Yeah. Once I get my Etsy store going, all of this will be taken care of. <laughs> not, mug, not just yet. A mug with our faces on it. Yeah, hey, nobody's ever thought of that. There's well, no on hoot hoot. Let me let me uh, shout out uh, Owl Nation In, to all the hooligans out interrupting there. Interrupting me to make owl sounds. There's a little owl that lives in all of our hearts. What is Owl Nation? It's whatever you want it to be. Everything and nothing. So, Lon streaming news what's going on did it did it did it did it did it streaming news that's my news ticker that i just turned on uh so we're starting to get it it, a lot of news this week around what it's going to look like when movies start coming back to movie theaters when when we first uh the pandemic hit all the movies started going onto the streaming services there were a ton of editorials where it was like is this is this the end of movie theaters? Are they all going to close forever? I know. And all the movie theaters were, uh, chains were going bankrupt. Bang, and- yeah, bang, the looting, people burning down your local multiplex. Uh, everything was being, the ground was being raised and Ripping salted. Lush chairs out of the so, dark yeah. light floor. So no movie theater. You remember all of this across last sum- summer 2020 when all the movie theaters across America so were people simultaneously will burned. be coming outside and the sunlight will be finally hitting right. their faces and then they'll go to the movie theaters to go in- back into the dark. That that one instrumental part that always plays in cartoons like when it's morning like Oh yeah. Oh like and we'll all, beautiful dream. We'll all rub the the the, the sleep from our eyes and yes. emerge uh into the daylight and it'll be time to go back to the movie theaters. So anyway, it does look like we're we're going to go back to movie theaters at some point. Disney seems to be betting not very soon though because they've punted a lot of their big releases uh, Cruella and Black Widow, they're going to be coming out both on Disney Plus for a $30 rental fee. And like the theaters. Jacksonville Jaguars failing on a fourth and two. They are punting Cruella. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect metaphor for what's happening with Cruella. Uh, 
So yeah, so those those they're gonna go for thirty bucks. You can rent them just like they did with Raya and her last dragon and Mulan. Now let me ask you this: Why I just paid twenty dollars to watch Minari and twenty dollars to watch uh, Promising Young Woman. Yes, you but did. Why, why is it thirty dollars for the these the, the That's Disney? That's because it's joints? listen, Disney. They own the Disney Plus system. They, it's theirs. They can decide whatever they want, and they are trying to make their money back as best they can. They are they're they're calculating that they can't fill up a theater this summer for Cruella or Black Widow like they like they would if if people weren't afraid of the poisoned air. Yes. So they're going to try to make that up. They're not just trying to drive people to Disney Plus, they're trying to also recoup some of their investments on these films. Now, there mm-hmm. is another Disney film, Pixar's Luca, that's going to go straight to Disney Plus just like Soul did, the last Pixar film. And sure. that is just to, that's not going to be an extra $30 fee. That is just an effort to get more people to sign up for Disney Plus. They're just going to put Luca on there for free. Okay. Hmm. It's interesting. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a, it's a balanced strategy and that's that's what we're seeing uh, with with a lot of the other studios like uh, Warner Brothers also this week they announced that 2022 they're going to go back to an exclusive theatrical window. So this year all the Warner Brothers movies are just coming out on the same day in movie theaters and on HBO Max. But next year, they're going to give all of their movies a 45-day exclusive theatrical window. So 45 days, the 45-day rule. What, I, don't, I don't know. What, what, what's the 45-day rule? Oh, I have my own 45-day rule on when, for, it comes to, when it comes to dating. For what, 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 what is, I don't understand what that means. What is the, okay, what well, is the rule? I, I don't date, like now I am happily married, so right. uh, Rebecca, not to worry. But- in regards to when I when I was back out there on the market, I would uh, I would take forty five days after the first date to contact the young lady again. That's good. I think you want you know that's an air of mystery. Like a lot yeah. of people would probably wait a few days. You don't want to seem desperate though. Forty five days really says like I forgot about you for a while. I've probably dated two or three other people in the interim, mm-hmm. and then. You know, like in the middle of the night, I woke up to a glass of water and I was like, oh, right, that woman from a month and a half ago, I should call her. Yes. So I'll I'll take them out. I'll uh, I'll wine them, dine them, maybe maybe go in for a smooch. Who knows on, a, on a first date, you will both wine and dine. That's is that too is that too much? Perhaps. Or maybe it'll just maybe it would just be wine. Yeah, I think you just wine somebody on day one. You're, I'm waiting till day three before I'm dining and wine. Yep. I mean, it all depends. Case to case basis. I mean, I'm whining on every date. That's just my my entree. Oh, yes. There's whining. There's kvetching. There's complaining. I'm just like, oh, I don't. This doesn't look as good as it did on Yelp. I give it a good 45 days. 45 days. Okay. I think that's a I think that's a reasonable 45 day rule. So anyway, that's the same. And and this I think this makes a lot of sense. It it was 90 days has been the traditional theatrical window. That's a long time. I don't know if we Mm -hmm. need three months. Are you really seeing a movie in theaters two and a half months after it opened? At this point, I feel like as a society, we've gotten past that. Absolutely not. Unless it's a second run, one of those second run theaters where it's like heavily discounted or something. It, exactly. So and, and interestingly, Paramount has also said they're going to give a 45 day window to their big titles before they go to Paramount Plus. So stuff like Quiet Place 2, Mission Impossible 7 and 8 and however many more of those they decide to make. Those are going to have also a 45-day theatrical window. So it looks like that's going to be kind of the industry 
standard. Juan, when when we go back to the movies, when the theaters reopen, which I guess most of them have, some yes. Well, it's staggering over the next few months as as people get vaxxed up. Are they still going to have snacks? Yeah, well, I'm assuming they'll have to. That's that's the whole the whole business model is really predicated on snacks because that popcorn the, machine does not seem super sanitary. What? what do you think? I mean, it's everybody's popcorn is together, but but before it becomes their popcorn. Yeah, but that guy like once once it's in your hand hands, there. Nobody's putting their hands in the whole Yeah, thing. doesn't the guy machine. grab the popcorn with, with his bare hand? He's supposed to be wearing a, a some sort of a glove. There's a, it's a meant to be a glove situation. I'm sure at some theaters they're lax about that, but it's not like they're reaching in with their hand. They've got it. There's a scooper. I go to this uh, little mom and pop theater, and there's this guy back there. His name's Jerry, and he just reaches in with his big old he paw. Just, he just licks fills, his hand and gets puts a bunch it of into popcorn. the popcorn. Whatever kernels stick to the wet hand, just slide them into the container. Don't ask Jerry for butter. You don't want to know. Where oh, you don't want to know. Um, hey, He has some unconventional methods. That ain't butter. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, let's oh. move on. Listen, yes. listen. That's disgusting. Let's that ain't go. butter. Uh, Disney Plus. We were just talking about them. Let's oh, talk Disney about them Plus. some more. Disney Plus, as they call it in France, uh, ordered a new Canal Plus and Disney Plus. You can get oh, them on a shared package. Uh, a new National Treasure series. The original writers and producer Jerry Bruckheimer, but it is not going to be about Nicolas Cage and his character Benjamin Franklin Gates. Oh. This new this new series is going to follow twenty year old Jess Morales. He's a dreamer. He's an Im- a, a, immigrated to the U.S. as a young man, okay. and he and a group of friends are going to search for his family's history and you know, a lost treasure. Former uh, National Treasure star John Voight might not be. I don't. I wouldn't imagine he's not pro dreamer. He's, he's definitely a, not coming back for yeah. the new series, or maybe John, he will be coming back. And and the Gates family is protesting the Morales family. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, John John Voight is uh, everybody's far-right grandpa. Yeah, this is not Mexico's national treasure. That's not how John Voight talks. Oh, this, this, this country's going to hell. It's getting taken over by Satanists, and my daughter doesn't love me. Angelina Jolie. I could do John Voight from Anaconda. I used to be a preacher. Then I come here to the jungle. It seemed like a goofy. That's him, but he's doing a terrible... Offensive South American accent. In that. Oh boy! Uh, so uh, John John Voight uh, and uh, Nicholas Cage will not be in this. It's a new. No, there um, there now there are. Yes, this is right. Exactly. Well, no, this is. What is he going? What What is he going to be going at? He's younger than a millennial. He's twenty. Jess Morales would be a Zoomer. Oh, he's Gen Z. What is he going to be going after? NFTs. <laughs> Nobody's ever going after NFTs. Get that out of your head right now. Listen, I think we should put out an exclusive. Binge Boys NFT. We're going to listen. We are recording this right now and you can buy it as an NFT because I definitely know what that means. And I definitely have a way to collect Ethereum from you. So just put some Ethereum into an envelope and send it to Binge Boys. Listen, I I think uh, Binge Boys, we we this podcast needs to get get into uh you don't know you don't know what an nft is <laughs> i i i'm blowing you up right now i can tell from this conversation you don't know what an nft is. uh it is a non-fungible uh 
I don't understand it. So I was hoping to shame you and then you would explain it to me. Like you can have a piece of you can have a piece of art. It's so it's it's like a unique file. It's a unique file. Right. It's not the art. It's not the file. It's just the it's the verification process. It's that there's a lead. There's a magical blockchain out there that's like a ledger that's like the like St. Peter's book of everybody's soul and it's keeping track of every transaction so I could be like I'm going to sell you this gif and if you ever need to prove that you're the real owner of this gif anybody could make a copy of it but you could prove you're the real owner if and when we start down the road if we start a Patreon I think our bonus content needs to be all about crypto. It's just us, t- yeah, us making up nonsense about crypto. Yeah, the crypto bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, look out for the crypto bros. That's coming soon. Uh, I actually think that was, uh, I did a decent job just there. I think that was mostly what an NFT is. Nicely done, Lon Harris. It's a way to you, because like you could hang like a print of, of Van Gogh's or Van Gogh's Starry Night on the mm-hmm. wall behind you. Mm-hmm. But that, that doesn't it doesn't mean anything. But it, it, you could hang the real Starry Night behind you, and it still doesn't mean anything. It's I have. How do I authenticate it? How do I know? Right. That's not just a print. That's the real painting. That's what the NFT is. It's a technological way, rather than having an old man look at it and be like, "Yep, that's real." The brush strokes. Yeah. So now instead of can, going to a notary public or right uh, now, you yes. can just show like see this like digital verification. That's that's my Van Gogh. Thank you. Thank you, Lon. You guys learned something today. All right. Netflix, going to be the home for the new A24 series, Beef. This stars, it does not start Tim Heidecker and Eric Wareheim. It sounds like it would. Not Beef House. Not Beef House. It stars Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong. But Tim Heidecker, the star of an A24 TV show, uh, Moonbase 8. That is true. Which we talked about on this very show. We uh, did. Months back, yeah. That's not this one. This is about two people that are involved in a road rage incident that slowly takes over their entire lives. So A24 uh, is making this. It's from a Tuca and Birdie writer, and it set off a bidding war, and now it is landed at Netflix. It will be, it will, it will debut on Netflix at some point in the future. Oh, great. I like both of those actors. Steven Yeun uh, just uh, was transcendent in Minari. And uh, Ali Wong, I, I mean, I love Ali Wong uh, comedy-wise. I haven't seen, well, I guess... Uh, um, always be my maybe. Uh, had a little bit of. Uh, she, 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 she acts in Tuca and Birdie. She's in Big Mouth, Netflix's Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I like I like that combo of folks. Uh, I mean, uh, co- color me interested. Color me interested, Lon. I will when I yeah. when I color you next. And I consider I you know what may, may, uh, I consider a twenty four a stamp of quality. I would definitely call myself an a twenty four. Uh, devotee. Yeah, they're they're mostly known as a film studio. They're sort of starting to get more. They do Rami, that Hulu show, and they did Moonbase Eight, and they're doing this one. It's a, a gradually getting more into doing TV. Uh, it's certainly an, an, an interesting take on projects so far. Uh, Ryan Murphy, he's making a new Netflix show about serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. Evan oh, is this Peters. Be a glammed up, a glammed up Dahmer? Yeah, show tunes. <laughs> what if Dahmer would go into his head and see show tunes? Uh, no, it's it's going to star Evan Peters, who recently broke everyone's hearts by not being Mephisto or Quicksilver, just being some guy named Ralph on WandaVision. Right, yes, and and, uh, and not spelling the uh, 
the, the addition of the X-Men into the right. MCU. It did yeah. not introduce us to a multiverse at all. But the show, it's interesting. It's not, it's not from Dahmer's perspective. It's about how the Wisconsin authorities were kind of inept, missed a lot of opportunities to catch him, and he just kind of wasn't on their radar. They weren't really looking that hard for him, and he was able to kind of get away with what he was doing for a really long time uh, as opposed to getting caught right away. Um, and Niecy Nash is going to be in it as a real woman named Glenda Cleveland, who was a neighbor of Dahmer's who repeatedly called the cops and tried to get them to look into this creepy guy, and they 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 did not catch him for years. They ignored her. Yeah, and also uh, a bit of the case of since so many of, I mean, most of his victims were gay and or transient, uh, so a couple of drifters in there, that uh, the, the police often... Just look the other way. They yeah. Uh, this is they, a it's, this is a very it, familiar story. There's a lot of true crime docu series, especially in the last few years, that kind of have this angle. There was a Showtime one called Murder on the Bayou uh, that I watched a few years ago. That was really terrific. That was about several women from uh, you know poorer communities in Louisiana, and the authorities just kind of didn't bother to look into this string of disappearances and homicides until it was many many women involved. Uh, and then I'm also watching on Peacock right now, uh, they have a John Wayne Gacy docu-series. And it's, once again, it's the same story. Chicago cops thought a lot of these young guys were either just running away or taking off, or it was a lot of young gay men, and they just thought, well, that's the lifestyle, and they kind of dismissed it. And here's this guy, John Wayne Gacy, for like a decade getting away with this. And he was a known, he was a sex offender in Iowa, if they were just paying a little bit more attention. Yeah, I, I, there, there are absolutely communities out there that are, are not get afforded the same degree of uh, fairness in investigation and in policing. The same thing happened with the Grim Sleeper case in Southern California because it was mostly women of color and many of them sex workers. And also the Atlanta child murders. I mean, if the... If if these were rich, if these were rich white women, if these were rich white women that were being killed, it would be like, oh, it would be like just an, a national emergency. Yeah, I was going to so. say Mindhunter season two. Uh, that was the case, the Atlanta child murders case. I will say I'm watching that that John Wayne Gacy docuseries on Peacock, which I, I have with ads. And it's very strange to watch a true crime serial killer docuseries with ads because it'll it'll be like. And that's when they discovered 20 additional bodies under Gacy's crawl space. Like, hard cut to Jake from State Farm. Like, hey, how y'all doing? Like, I don't, Jake, it's not a great time. Listen, I understand that you've got some great deals. Yeah, we're so used to with uh, with HBO and with Netflix. Yeah, uh, I just, like, see, I never see ads in the one I time I my now, murders uninterrupted. The one time I'm seeing ads now, it's just interrupting, like, the clown who lived on the child graveyard. Like that's the only show I watch that gets interrupted with that. Did he Not live on a child graveyard? Oh, yes. John Wayne Gacy would kill people, mostly oh. boys and young men. And then he would bury them in this dirt crawl space under his house. And oh, so for God. years and years and years, you know, the, these kids are disappearing and nobody knows who's doing it. But he was married for a bunch of this time, and they have his wife in this docuseries, and she's like, I told him the house smelled, and he was like, nah, it doesn't smell, and I'd be like, you gotta go take care of this, and then it'll be like, and then it'll be like, oh, hard boy. cut, like, McDonald's is bringing back pie, and you're like, I don't, <laughs> McDonald's, they just got a story 
about this woman who lived on top of a mass grave for like four years. But on the other hand, pie. But I mean, listen, those little McDonald's apple pies where it's like folded over, it's like warm oh, that's, and it's like you know, a what, what a nice it's little like treat. A, what a nice little treat yeah, that it's a, is. It's delicious. It comes but also, in sleeve. Don't, like it, John Wayne Gacy, terrible, terrible man. Oh, yeah. Hor- horrible. Oh, I just lost my appetite for pie. One more news story. Uh, Keanu Reeves, you've heard of him. He's a famous guy. He wrote, he wrote a, co-wrote a comic book called Berserker, B-R-Z-R-K-R. I don't you think know it, that, you remember that song from uh, Clerks? Sure. My Berserker. love for you is like a truck berserker. Yes, except he's saying berserker, the full word. This is just berserker. Uh, and he's going to, Keanu himself. like James Gum right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fuck berserker. Uh, uh, was, he, was he a very big fat person? Uh, Silence of the Lambs, James. What, what's that actor's name? Ted Levine. That's Ted, Ted Levine, yes. Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill. Uh, so Keanu wrote this comic book alongside a guy named Matt Kent. He's now going to star as the main character, who's known as B, in both a film and an anime based on the comic. How much sweat equity do you think Keanu put into this comic book, into this graphic novel behind it, the keyboard? I, I, I feel like he's not doing a lot of the typing. I feel like he's the idea man, and then this guy, Matt Kent, is, is formulating it into a comic script. It, that would be my guess. Yeah. The, so he's probably, they probably have a phone call, and uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, this is typically how it's going to work when a celebrity what if is an immortal warrior. Whoa! Listen, I don't think we need to be dismissive. I'm sure Keanu's making a real contribution. I don't want to dismiss his his input entirely. I mean, yes, his name and likeness, his his name and likeness. But I, put but I, I don't feel like he's the one behind the keyboard actually hammering this thing out. I feel like he and this guy Matt are having conversations about what should happen maybe even specifics about dialogue or settings or whatever and then matt is formulating that into the locked in the locked in script that would that would be my guess but i don't know maybe keanu is just like knocking this out himself i don't know who knows who knows uh, it's only con- it, uh, for me it's only conjecture who who can see uh he's a he's a creative He's a creative guy. So anyway, it's about an eight, he he will play an eighty thousand year old immortal warrior named B, who takes a hello merc- art imitating life. <laughs> yeah, he takes a uh, mercenary job for the U.S. government, and the deal he makes with the government is, I will do your dirty work and your violent whatever, but then you will show me how to kill myself because he's he's tired of of living on this earth. And after eighty thousand years, honestly, who who could blame him? Yeah, these 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 warriors, these these uh, these immortal guys. Why? How come you never find an immortal person who's like they've they've just been alive for centuries and eons? And it's just like, yeah, I go from one job working a printing press to another. Now I work in in the the newspaper factory over here. Like I'm a button pusher. I'm pushing paper. I'm an accountant. I, I was an accountant in the 16th century. Uh, you know, I did I did box and Beethoven's taxes, and now I work for H and R Block. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just wish I could die. I just wish I could die, but I can't die. So I do taxes. I go home. I have a snack. Well, maybe I have a wife or a girlfriend, but she'll die, and eventually I'll get a new one. That's being immortal, just an immortal schlub. 
Thanks for joining uh, Gimlet Media's new scripted podcast, The Immortal Schlub. Uh, You know what? I'm going to write that down. I actually like the idea of The Immortal Schlub. I think all of these projects always forget that you could get good at anything if you had 80,000 years. Like, killing, sure. But, like, there's all, you know, you could get art. You could, you know, you could be a really good, uh, you could do, like, a, a Olympic slalom. You like, you know, like, think about any activity you can name. It's not just swinging an axe that you can yeah, get good at. Apparently, in, in in Groundhog's Day, the so we we don't know at the end of Groundhog Day how many days Bill Murray was alive. But I I heard uh, I was listening to some podcast, and supposedly it was um, like years and years and years Bill Murray uh, was alive that Groundhog Day took place over and. He took the opportunity to learn piano, to learn ice sculpting. Yeah, he doesn't bother with fighting skills. That's true. We know there's no there's no scenes of him sparring in that whole movie. No, I don't know. It just seems it just seems weird that you wouldn't devote yourself to all sorts of different things with that many that many human lifetimes. You know, like mm. we're talking about eight thousand plus human lives. You would you could get up to all sorts of stuff. You could get right. good at all all kinds of things. Uh, so that's the news. That is the news. Lon, thank you for that. Coming up, ooh, we both watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, and we're going to talk about it. Lon, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut, it landed on HBO Max last week, and... How about it? I, you know what? I'll tell you what, Lon. I went into this a full-on hater <laughs> of, you know, the, the the original Snyder cut. I wasn't a huge fan of the other Snyder DC. You're not a BVS guy. Yeah, you know. I wasn't a big BVS guy. Not, you know, not even not a huge Man of Steel guy either. But uh, the Sny- the Snyder cut, I'm a believer. It converted me. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of this. Stop everything. Yeah. Stop the review. Okay. So you know how in Justice League, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, there is a weirdly long pan where you focus on a newspaper headline and you think it's going to be plot significant, but then it just says uh, a bank in Manhattan needs a new architect. Do you remember this moment? It's during one of the many dirge-like sad needle drop montages where we see how desperately sad the entire world is all the time. And uh, we, we, pan, we pan by this, this long, lingering shot of this newspaper headline, and you assume it's going to be something like, Superman still dead, or Green Lantern here, everybody, or something that has to do with the world of DC Comics. And instead, it's literally like, the Bank of Manhattan needs a new architect. And it says Manhattan, even though this is the DC universe, and like, should not that be Metropolis? Uh, so anyway, it's baffling. It seems totally out of context. And why do we linger on it? It is a reference to Ayn Rand's novel, The Fountainhead, in which Harold Rourke is designing this new Manhattan bank. Uh, he's the new architect. Wait, so like Atlas Shrug and The Fountainhead take place in the Snyderverse? Yes, The Fountainhead takes place in the Snyderverse. We've established okay. that that's canon. Yeah, not a, not a huge fan of. Uh, How could you not be? That's the weirdest thing. There, that's like 
I don't think this is, to me, it's obviously a lot better than the 2017 Joss Whedon cut of this movie. It makes more sense. It's coherent. The action is much better. I don't really even think that's a debate. I don't, I don't really think that it works that well as a movie. Like if you're just judging it as if you sat down to watch a movie, it's incredibly long. The pacing is all over the place. There's a ton of stuff that doesn't need to be in there. But I will say what I like the most about it and what, what makes it to me the best thing that Zack Snyder's ever done in the, in the DC comics world is that it's totally unrestrained. It's our, our most clear eyed view into the mind of Zack Snyder that we've ever gotten. It's it's him totally unfettered, without notes, without kowtow, anything, thinking about audiences, thinking about runtime, anything. It's just, here's this guy's insanity on screen, and there are a lot of really bonkers decisions. Right, yeah, like the the, the woman singing as Aquaman goes back into oh, the sea. and then All of the midwinter... Uh, Aquaman farewell ceremony. Yeah, midwinter. <laughs> I like, yeah, midwinter. Uh, midsummer. Yeah. Um, you got there. Like, yeah, weird white folks, weird white folks. Uh, that lady, she sniffs his sweater. Now, yeah. I'd like to also draw your attention to, as long as we're talking about how crazy that scene is. Wait, does, do you think that sweater smelled fishy? I, I would. I, 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 she, I, that, they're Mr. Real laugh opportunity. She sniffs the sweater. Uh, is that is that aqua velva? That, why? I thought it in my brain, not on screen. Mr. But Mr. Beats XR. That scene, they play that like that's this village's like ancient, like their elders a thousand years ago would gather by the shoreline to see off the Aquaman. But he's the first Aquaman, and he's like forty. Like you, you, we met his dad. His dad oh, so is like still alive. Willem Dafoe doesn't come to the. No, none of the other Atlantean the kings come to the surface. They fucking hate the surface world. Like think about. Patrick Wilson, he, he's down there plotting to destroy us all. They're not coming to bring us fucking fish. That's that's purely, that's the new, that's Arthur Curry's deal. And he's only been doing it for, what, 15 years at the most? So this is, like, spontaneous. He, like, goes and hangs out and, like, gets drunk with them. And he's like, hey, I think I'm going to go. Can you guys gather around the shore and sing a Scandinavian hymn to me while I go? I'll... Yeah, anything, any clothes I take off, you can smell them. And when when he comes ashore, do they bring him his clothes? Like I want to just know that. that Yeah, the reverse. (laughs) Like they dress him, and it's the it's fucking bonkers. And there's so much. Like that's what I enjoyed the most about the movies. Where just all the beats where you're just like, hang on a second. Yeah, (laughs) what just happened? Yeah, there there were you know there there were. I mean, it was indulgent. I watched it in like three or four sittings, and I think that is (laughs) the perfect way to watch it that's weak it, I, it, if you want my opinion if you want my honest opinion i think you're 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 weak you, you uh, a strong man will watch it in one sitting i i accept i'm um i was very beta when it yeah, came to my viewing right. the the only alpha way to take in the cider cut is as top to bottom one sitting you no went, bathroom breaks listen you went beast mode <laughs> yeah, you, you you I chugged did. you chugged a uh Two five-hour energy drinks. No, I I actually, the first time through, I live-streamed it, and I slugged Mountain Dew the whole time. So, right, yeah, right. I got the authentic Snyder Cut experience. Uh, yeah, so, but I, I found that watching it in three or four sittings was perfect. It felt like I was binge-watching a show. I looked forward to going back to it every time. And this, 
I this is this was a very there's a very good movie in there. Um, it's probably the the very good movie is probably three hours. Um, this I, was yeah. A, there's a like a two hour forty minute cut of this that that Snyder he doesn't need Joss Whedon's help. He could have just trimmed this down and and that would have been a much better but to movie. Quote George W. Bush on that aircraft carrier mission accomplished. This shit no, was mission's not accomplished. Yes, this shit was epic. The uh the the world building the the backstories and you know they're still you very, di- they're they're still not characters. I mean that's what it's really missing. And we're we're about to talk about a Marvel. Thing. Everyone they, got moments. Everyone got moments. They got and moments. The to story look cool. the story added up. The story it's, added yes, up. It's coherent, and the 2017 one is not. But, but and it was also beautiful. I mean, there, there are so, there are great visionary moments, but I think so that's many the problem. Sequences. The, the problem is that Snyder it, it's entirely about building to these big visual moments and recreating the look of a comic book world in a movie. And and sure, great, there's a lot of that, but they're they're still not they they don't come alive as characters. I don't think this is ever going to be. This is not anyone's ideal imagined version of. Superman or Batman. It's assuming that you know who they are and you could just pick it up and like, oh, okay, Wonder Woman has the lasso. And there's no attempt to invest you, maybe Cyborg a little bit. Other than that, there's really no attempt to invest you in these people as people. They're and we don't, need, it. We don't need to see Batman's parents get killed again. No, but I, yeah. that's the, but uh, that's taking this character that's been addressed and, and explored in all sorts of fascinating ways and reducing him to a, to a plot. That's what Zack Snyder does. It's like this whole character is this image or this one scene or this suit. And it's like, it's more interesting when you treat them like people with, with actual perspectives on the world and things to say that aren't just there to be like, I'm Alfred. I'm the guy who brings tea and I'm in Diana. I'm the one with the, the whip. Yeah, but that, you know? that, that's my, that's my argument against man of steel, man of steel uh, combined like, uh, two or three different Superman stories into one movie, and, it, and that felt rushed. The whole uh, uh, DCEU felt rushed. But I'm not saying it feels rushed. This obviously doesn't feel rushed. It's 500 hours long. No, rushed in that's not having the backstories, not doing the dirty work the same way, not the same way the MCU. Yes, this yes, Lon. No. The same. Yes, no, you can't debate this that the DCEU was, uh, wasn't rushed. Of course it was rushed. We didn't, we got Batman v Superman before we got Ben Affleck's standalone Batman movie. You're spending a lot more time, but you're not getting to know these characters as characters any better. You're just spending a lot more time, and they're explaining the story to each other a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I, I'm well, so, saying, what's the, yeah. so who cares? Like, you could spend a ton of time with them, but if you're not getting to know them better... Then- no, but this particular story, we don't need that because we have shorthand over decades and decades of knowing these characters. And but I already this- know that. I don't need a new movie if you're just being like, remember Batman? I'm like, yeah, I remember but the, I'm, I'm saying the story was so well told and the action was so well crafted that it the did. The action that is this well movie, crafted. It's, there's movie no story. The story resonated. is rock men oh, from space and their bugs. There's, there's and they absolutely need to get, a story. Yes. Rock men from space want to take over the earth. And so they need to collect three boxes and then push the three boxes together. And a bunch of heroes from earth yeah, you are could like, say that about, but you could we're say not going to let you. That's not Infinity true. War. That's not you could, true. You're reducing all of comic book movies to like 
Good burst Strong evil man get from box. space wants to collect five uh, stones. Uh, that we spend all of Infinity War as like a two and a half hour movie that is purely exploring who Thanos is, what motivates him, why he wants to do what he does, and the nature of his philosophical clash with the Avengers. I'm not saying you have to like that movie better. That's objectively true. That's the entire movie Infinity War. Are you saying Steppenwolf or Darkseid has that? Le- it's the, they're mean demons and they want the world and they need these boxes. And, and we do, we spend so much more time, we get a lot more detail about what the boxes are and where they need to go. It's much more coherent. It's much more of a straight line. You're like, I get what all of these people are and what role they have to play in keeping these boxes apart. But there's nothing more to it. There's nothing. There's no themes or motifs or ideas. It's not a philosophical clash of any kind. It's literally Bruce Wayne goes around and meets every hero. It's like, I need your help. And at first they say no. And then they say yes. And then literally their big job at the end is push three boxes apart. That's what the story is. And it was absolutely clear and well-crafted. And it's the... and. You know, maybe this isn't saying as much, but it's the it's it's the best of Snyder's D- DCEU. Yes, that's a it's a low bar, but I will give it that. Sure. And it, for what it is, it's lovely. I think in many circumstances, it is style over substance. I agree. There's no substance. But there, but there is there is. What's substance. the substance? What's it about? What's it about? Good versus evil. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, there's a there's a major character, and uh, he's one of the main three villains. And the only thing I can tell you about him is that he's Darkseid's personal assistant, the lava Dasad. Oh, that yeah. was like, hey, I found the box. He's like, okay, hold for Darkseid. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why are you in this movie? Yeah, there, I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot of uh, middle management bad there's guys. Who there's are, so much. There's so much. The, the arrow and the cave. And, this, and it's like, I get it. Okay bad guys from space anti-life equation baby that's a big dc comics thing by the way i get i get why all the nerds are excited when they hear dark side talk about the anti-life equation uh i didn't really it, it sounds kind of silly when you when you hear right. it said out loud but uh yeah i i enjoyed the hell out of this movie i might not have enjoyed it more if i didn't watch it uh, if i if i watched it uh straight through then i would have gotten like uh, really annoyed a raging hard no oh, an, 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 pro- <laughs> just annoyed but w- watching it in four i i watched it in the same way and this is gonna sound like sacrilege but i watched it in the same way that i watched uh the godfather epic where they took um right. and re-edited where they put the two all godfather the movies, movies. Yeah. yes yes um i came back to that i watched that like it was a binge watch that i watched over several like you know three viewings mm-hmm. i did the same thing with this i'm not saying this is the same quality so you're saying you, you think that, that this is Zack snyder's the godfather saga is, is how you would describe he described it like that in uh, an interview with the New York Times. <laughs> this is really my bridge on the River Kwai, if I have to. Uh, but, like no. that classic Max Landis tweet that I bring up all the time where he, he finished bright and he's like, I think I just wrote my Star Wars. Like, oh, no, God. No, you did not. No, no you did not. No, no, You may have think, thought you did, but you didn't. It turns out you didn't. Yeah, no, it was an empty Will Smith vehicle. The, uh, but, but uh, yeah, I, and, and I think part of it is I went in with such a low bar. But again, I'll just uh, repeat... Uh, I, I went I went went in a hater came out a change man came out a lover yeah a real a real a real Steppenwolf stand yep 
There it is. And oh, and how much better did Steppenwolf look? No, actually, I that's one of the few places where I don't necessarily think like I, I he's he's not so he's very white. He's very pale white in the Whedon version, which I don't think looks very good. But I don't also don't think being covered in tiny spikes looked very good. I think it looked kind of silly. Like he kind of looks like and it doesn't work like Superman's able to just come up and punch him right through the spikes. Like, what? your spikes failed. Well, of course. Well, Everything's going to fail against Superman. Why? But everybody's punching him, but nobody, no, no one is injured for the entire movie by his spikes. They're completely vestigial spikes. You know what? I think there's, uh, you know, the, I, I'm just assuming there are other battles where a lesser foe attacks him and cuts themselves on his spike. It just, it just looks like it's so like '90s comic where they're covered in spikes and pouches. And you're just like, I don't need all this. The CGI on Steppenwolf was extremely painstakingly well-crafted, whereas the, the 2017 version of Steppenwolf looks like 8-bit gaming in comparison. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, I, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that looks a lot better. It, yes, that's all I'm saying. So uh, Lon and I, there's a little bit of a divide here as far as how much we liked uh, Justice, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I enjoyed watching it. It's just not a real movie. It's like, uh, it's like an interesting historical artifact with up-to-date effects. It is a real movie. It's an epic. It, it's an it's an epic it's, superhero it's tome. It's self indulgent, but it's an enjoyable watch. It, it is. It is. Zack Snyder's uh, tome. Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max. Watch it and then watch it again and immerse yourself into it. Feel the new metal pain of Zack Snyder. Coming up, the newest offering from MCU: Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're going to talk about it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is on Disney Plus. It's the latest addition to MCU TV. Juan, you know, I feel like, you know, this was supposed to come out before WandaVision. And then, uh, you know, because of the pandemic and everything, uh, WandaVision got released first. And I I feel like it's made me enjoy Falcon and Winter Soldier a little bit less because I liked the different flavor, the different uh, storytelling tropes of WandaVision and kind of like, ooh, this is an exciting little wrinkle in the whole um, Marvel uh, cinematic and television world that's like, it's so different. I really enjoyed that. Now it seems like we're back to the same kind of action and storytelling. I'm like, okay, yeah, back to this. This is fine. By the end of WandaVision, it was also back to people throwing goo magic balls at one another and laser fights and whatever. Like, I don't, I don't think WandaVision is like, I don't, I didn't think that worked that well. Oh, see, I, I, re- I enjoyed WandaVision. I thought, and like Catherine Hahn was such a breath of fresh air, and there were so many elements that were uh, just a nice departure. I don't want to. I don't want to relitigate WandaVision. I had so many arguments about it, but all I was going to say was, all I was going to say was, I yeah, like I. I'm I'm a little peeved about the Marvel Disney Plus shows in that it seems like they don't feel like they have to be TV shows. Like they feel like they can just, you know, it's MCU. It's part of this ongoing story. We can just jump in and do whatever we want. Like Falcon and Winter Soldier has a very like unsatisfying pilot where it's just like kind of catching up with these two guys. And I didn't really think it, it was it was not selling me on this new scenario um, at all, really, it seems kind of silly. Episode two, I think, does a a better job. Like episode two, almost like 
would be better as the pilot, I think. Like, you could have taken this and smashed it together somehow. They have a moment. They end episode one, and I don't, we don't need to spoil it. There's a big reveal that's the very end of episode one, and I feel like that idea came to them first. But actually, you didn't need that whole episode to get there. I think you could have gotten there in like 10 minutes and then jumped into the story. So it takes a little while to get going, but I, I feel like by the end of by the end of episode two, at least they've sold me on, okay, they've got an angle. I do like that it's finally... I, I feel like for a little while now we've been kind of stuck, and obviously the pandemic was part of this. That that kind of end game happened, and it was this huge change in the MCU, and everything that's happened since then has just been like, well, let's talk about it. Like, you had Spider-Man Far From Home, which is like, oh man, Tony Stark's dead. I sure sure do miss him. And then we had WandaVision, which is like, oh man, Vision is dead. I Boy, I sure do miss him. And then the opening of Cal- Falcon and Winter Soldier is just, Oh, man, Cap's an old man now. Boy, sure wish he was here. And it's just like, ah, it's getting kind of one note. Like, we got to move on. And by episode two, I feel like we're starting to move on. Gotcha. Here's a a question. Uh, You know, I like Anthony Mackie, but how Falcon seems like he's not, like, what powers does Falcon have besides the wing suit? Friends with Steve Rogers. No, he's got, yeah, he's got a wing. And he's, oh, he's got his red wing. He's got his drone accessory with him. It's pretty, pretty powerful. Is, is the wingsuit intuitive? I think it's just a high-tech jetpack, and he's just really, really good at using it now. Because, like, he's got, like, less of a skill set than Batman. You know, he's a normal dude who's, like, obviously in the military. I think that, it, I think that like, you can assume hand-to-hand combat-wise... If you if you remove everything else, like Batman without the gadgets, Falcon without the the jetpack or whatever, if it was just the two of them fighting, then you know maybe I, I, they're they're roughly equally balanced. I would say I think you could you could enter into it with that assumption. Bruce Wayne and Sam Wilson, yeah. Well, we're crossing the, the there's no one to one because we're crossing the streams here. But I'm saying I think you could you could always make that assumption when you're talking about a mortal guy. You know, it's like, well, okay, like if if it was a one on one clash, they'd probably be so. Falcon is like a ninja level fighter. I mean, he's doing ninja level fighting in this show. Let's be honest. And like he he gets a boost. You know, like he could fly in on the jetpack and then you know kick you with that momentum, and that's like being. That's like super powered, you know? Sure, sure. Okay. All right. I'll take it. But yeah. They're playing a little fast and loose with it. I mean, Bucky, Winter Soldier, he's actually a super soldier. Like Hydra, Hydra did the whole, gave him the whole treatment. I I thought the first episode meandered a little bit. I haven't seen the second episode uh, yet. uh, That just dropped. It's it's starting, it's like we're, we're, they're they're making a lot of stuff shades of gray that I think the, the pilot presented as straight ahead. And that's. Like, that's interesting. Like, they've introduced a new character. Again, I'll try to avoid spoilers, but they've introduced a new character, and at first it seems like we're supposed to feel one way about him, but now they're kind of making it muddying the waters. We're not sure how we feel about him. The The bad guys, which are, I would like to talk for a moment, the the evil guys or the group that we think are going to be the bad guys are this uh, terrorist group called the Flag Smashers. This is in the pilot. Uh, I don't believe you can smash a flag. I think you can burn a flag, you can stomp a flag, but it's already like a two-dimensional object. You can't really smash it. It doesn't have the depth. 
it's flat, it's cloth. I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think about smashing. You, maybe even like smoosh. Like if you were going to push it all into a little ball, that would be like, oh, uh, what are you, the a flag smoosher? That doesn't sound. That, eh. Yeah, that, that almost sounds like smoocher a little bit. Like, oh, you're, then that's the opposite. Yeah, I really feel like they, I feel strongly that they should have gone with a different verb. A different yeah, active flag activity. smashers. Flag smashers. Yeah. It sounds dumb. Like honestly, yeah. it just—it's not intimidating. It, uh, but mean, anyway, it, it, even yeah. then, it they, does sound, it does sound mildly disrespectful to the flag, though. It doesn't sound like they like the flag. I get the idea. I'm just saying. Oh, I, the I, flag stompers. Right. Yes. Good. Now stomp I get on your flag. That, I'm very intimidated by the idea of my flag being stomped, much more than smashed. I'm going to say right now. But uh, so they're 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 kind of introduced like they're going to be the main evil presence. But now again, we're we're sort of muddying the waters with them in episode two. We're not quite sure how we feel about them, and I, I appreciate that that it's that I'm, we're not exactly sure where this story is going to land. And it is about how it's a less clear cut, more chaotic world post blip, post Thanos, which I think is an interesting new direction to explore for the whole Marvel cinematic universe. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, I feel like it scratches the itch. It, right now, it's a little by the numbers. Um, it, you know, like I said, it's fine. It's not like, whoa, this is next level. This is game changing. Or, but how do you do that? Like, so it's a, that's a tough. They got, they got four. They got four full episodes left. Well, maybe there's something crazy coming down the pike. We shall see. Falcon it also features and- Wyatt Russell, by the way. Did you catch? He's Kurt Russell's. Uh, Kurt Russell's kid. He's that character oh, yeah. that comes in at the very end of episode one. Mm-hmm. Yep. The uh, yes, I won't spoil it. Yeah, I almost did. I almost did. Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. Lon, we both went into the storm. I went a little farther than you did into the storm on HBO. HBO Max. The the QAnon. Yeah. I quit. I I went into the storm and then I immediately piloted back out of the storm. Yeah. So. And uh, go ahead and tell me why you uh, Boy, like fucking, put this on and Boy, immediately I like fucking hated this. I feel like mm-hmm. this is okay. So there, there is a real thing like QAnon and its spread, and the fact that millions of Americans believe in it now. That's important. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it. And I think that the 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 real issue to address is how did this happen. What are the cultural and technological mechanisms that allowed this to happen? What are the things that are happening in our society that caused this to take off so much? And what can we sort of do about it? Like, what can we do to restore some kind of rationality into the discourse and at least identify and counter disinformation like this before it spreads? I think I think a project, a documentary, a series, a film a bunch of different things exploring all of those questions would be great and useful. That is not what this is at fucking all. This is let's talk to these wackadoos and terrible people and monsters. Let's talk to the ones who created this lie. And then let's talk to the morons who believe it. And let's just, let's just talk to them. There's no content. It's not helpful context. It's not disproving it's not analytical it's like gawk at the the zoo animals and it's gross and awful and and that's a and and i will say at the same time you know it's repellent and somewhat fascinating when you meet the people 
who are now in charge of 8chan or 8kun, or I can't even keep up with uh, whatever it is, and they are seemingly the ones who um, w- who wove this web that in- entrapped so many just, you know, for, uh, people who would have been, oh, like normal, regular, your neighbor, your relative, your aunt who just sends you weird stuff on Facebook. Uh, when it, it, they talk to these people, it is so bizarre and weird as you go down the rabbit hole and seeing them trying to lie and pass off uh, the, the these guys that run these uh, deep uh, web pages who started with 4chan and are now... 8chan and 8kun. It's some weird, fascinating stuff. But I agree with Lon here in as much as they give a little too much equal time and credence to the people who are um, propagating this myth, this uh, this fairy tale that has resulted in deaths. But that being said, uh, I would say there is some interesting uh uh, documentary making here as far as tracing internet phenomenons like um, anonymous, uh, the, you know, the, the internet hacker group and uh, hacktivism and seeing these different incarnations of these secret kind of um, internet fads and how it kind of led up to get to the place where QAnon uh, kind of took hold with, with so many people. So yeah. it's at the same time. I just really can't. I really can't stand this sort. It's just so self congratulatory. It's like he's trying to turn. It's it's like he's you know he thinks he's Fred and Daphne and he's going to turn QAnon into like a groovy mystery. And it's like no, like I, I don't give a shit who started it. Like oh who is Q? It's like it's all made up. Who cares who's the guy who started making it up? Like, that's not what's interesting about this story, you jackass. Not you, the guy who made it. I, I literally, you want to, like, grab the guy who made it. Like, you're focusing on the wrong stuff. This isn't cute. It's not cute and quirky and eccentric and funny and, oh, get a load of this guy. Like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's This is this is ruined millions of lives. Like, yeah. this is poisoning our discourse and our democracy. Oh, yeah. It's not funny. It's, dri- it's, not it's like- driven a wedge. It led to people uh, assaulting, like an assault on democracy in the nation's capital on January 6th. And this guy's treating it a bit like, you remember American movie? You remember that documentary about those guys who were trying to make the, like, homemade coven? Exactly. Like, those guys are charming, quirky eccentrics. Make a documentary about them, like Slice of Life Americana. You'll never meet two guys like this. Don't make that about the fucking QAnon dudes. They don't deserve a movie. They don't deserve to be glamorized in a TV show. They're visibly getting off on it in the show that there's this whole documentary about them. They are troglodytes. They don't deserve our attention. It's wrong to give it to them. They're not fascinating. They're not fascinating. Yeah, to me, it's like a, uh, the tr- you know the train wreck driving by the the car crash, and you can't turn away because the uh, the guys who clearly started this thing who are living in the Philippines, it's this old ex army guy, and the more he talks, the more he indicts himself as one of the people behind this. Like at one point, he's like he's he pleads total ignorance, like I'm not political. I don't even know how to get to the QAnon page on my on on 8chan. And 
it, it's just he's playing too dumb. And then he says he's not political. And then the guy brings up Michael Flynn. Why would HBO want to give him a vehicle to tell his story? Like, who gives a shit about that guy and what he pretends and his bullshit about his website? I don't care. The damage is done. There's no value in talking to him. None. He, he's a liar. This isn't true information. You know, it's for the same reason that we uh, have a documentary, Wild Wild Country, or we have a documentary on other cults. This is, you know, I'm not saying the, the frame, you're right, the framework and the context is a little bit too much equal time on this destructive, uh, stupid fairy tale. You can tell the story of 8chan without talking to the dude who hit the button to turn it on. And when you make a whole series about people like that, what you're communicating to those of us in the audience is these are people whose stories are worthy of being told. Maybe you should start a website and then people will make a documentary about you. And it's exactly the wrong message. But that's an interesting takeaway. But here's the thing. When, When they're doing a documentary on, you know, John Wayne Gacy and they have footage when they talk to him or any other serial killer or cult leader or murderer or d- deranged thinker that i mean that you want to hear it from the horse's mouth you know i i mean i don't think that the john wayne gacy peacock documentary is making him first of all he's been dead since 1992 so it's not like hey you want to come be in a documentary like these these people are they're, they're obviously happy to tell their story. They're excited. They get to be in a movie. We've made them celebrities. And John Wayne Gacy's not a celebrity. He was already infamous, and he's long dead. I mean, he, but, I mean he's very well known. He's a, Well, uh, of, cor- of course he's a notorious serial killer. Yes. But I'm saying I don't think that this documentary about how he buried these teens under his house is glamorizing him in the same way that inviting sure. current guys who run a website and be like, you, so you changed the world. Your website changed everything. How did you do it? So we're talking about something that's very common in documentary making and, you know, by that extension, true crime nowadays, which is, okay, is it exploiting the subject matter? Is it, and is the, the context in, um, for lack of a better, coming from a journalistic uh, intent? But what did, what did you learn? Did you, did you learn anything about QAnon from this that you couldn't have learned in 10 minutes reading the QAnon Wikipedia page? That Yeah, I, I found the interviews with the father and son who started this, uh, th- this whole, uh, who run 8chan, and also uh, the, the gentleman who was the proprietor before them. I, th- I found that to be just, again, fascinating like a train wreck. All right. Yeah, they're gross and awful. All right. Okay. And and they they're constantly impugning themselves and uh, indicting themselves with their own words. It's really uh, just I, I found it to be an interesting one. I, I, I honestly, this felt like like drinking bleach. Like, why do I? Why am I doing this? Like, it's like uh, uh, this is it's both not providing me any nutritional value and it's awful and it makes me makes me angry. I, I agree with you in as much as it could have um, explored the darker context. I don't need it to be darker. I just would like it to be more like, I don't know, results or solutions for if any. And I, I'd like it to have a point. I'd like it to not just be, look at these fucking crazies. Can you believe this shit? And that's all it really is. It's just gawking like this. Wow, this went really far, man. I don't know. Like, it's just like, I, what, what, a, I, 
why? Like, why? And it, it feels very much like this guy making himself the star and making it his journey of discovery and investigation. Yeah, it does get a little gonzo journalism in it. It's and, just uh, like, ma- oh, you're maybe. gross, man. This is about attention. And that's like, I can't imagine a worse, more inappropriate thing. I see, I see what you're saying, but we, you know, we live in a society that, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we watch crazies. You know, that's why we watch Tiger King. That's why we watch so many of these, uh, you know, other weird docu-series. Right. It would be a little bit like if the makers of Tiger King had, like, put themselves, like, we decided to go and investigate the Tiger King. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. Go do something useful with your time. If you want to decide for yourself, Into the Storm is available on HBO Max and HBO. Also, I... Tiger King ruined his own life and the lives of a bunch of terrible people right around him. If the Tiger King had ruined millions of lives, I'd also be like, fuck the Tiger King. Don't make a show about it. (laughs) Lon, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us about streaming shows. Hoot hoot, hashtag Owl Nation. Thank you, Starburns. What's that? (laughs) Thanking me for being on... You just the, the, the way you said that is exactly like if I was a guest on your podcast. Like, God, thanks for being here. Great to have well, you. Come well, back I'm, sometimes. Like, I'm here every week. You can't get rid of me. Will you thank me for coming on your show? <laughs> Listen, Hal, I want to thank you for sitting there while I screamed to no one about Q&A. Uh, thank you, Starburns Audio. Thank you to our super producer, Adam Macias, and Jason Kay for the sweet riffs that open up our show. Lon, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at 8chan. My na- no, I'm kidding. It's, uh, you can find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. And if you want to hear more, I'm not going to write about the QAnon documentary, I promise. But if you want to hear more in general about the world of streaming TV from me, you can sign up for the Inside Streaming Newsletter. It's totally free, five days a week. That's inside.com slash streaming. And you can find me at Hal Rudnick, H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K, on Twitter and Instagram, where I'm... Uh, Talking movies, TV, and talking a lot of shit and uh, and shit posting and making Q drops. It's the it's now the new home for Q drops. Maybe just maybe. <laughs> Where we go, one we go. How that's the new to infinity and beyond. See you next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch in the fuck out of shit.